Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Topps, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. It's really cool to be working with your son or working with your dad, but how'd that come about? Jim, weren't you a Lone Ranger in the early days. Oh, no doubt. When I started the business, Jimbo was a baby, just one year. This even dates back further in our family. My grandfather was named James Spence. My father, his grandfather was named James Spence, and obviously ours are the same. Jimbo screwed things up by having two daughters, and he was unwilling to name them James. The streak is ending there. But why is he only the third then? Okay, because my grandfather, James Dugan Spence, had a different middle initial. It's James Joseph Spence, the next three in line. He actually took his mother's maiden name, and that's why he had that middle name of Dugan. But nevertheless, he was the catalyst for this whole movement. He was a very big collector back in the day. We have his entire collection of over a thousand autographs from the years between 1942 and 1945, a who's who of anyone. And I was enamored by this collection, which hung in his man cave, and I wanted to start <clears throat> collecting autographs myself. So he taught me how to do through the mail, and he told me about different in-person experiences. And that's how it started in my life. My father was also a big collector. There's some kind of a gene, and I'm sure you have that same gene, that same chromosome or whatever, Jim. We have to collect. I was to divest myself of my entire collection today, tomorrow morning, I'm collecting something. I don't know what it is. Maybe all three of us have this chromosomal additional defect, but we categorize, we grade, we authenticate, we price, we describe these things. It's even beyond just being a pure collector, Mm -hmm. which we all are as well. But uh, when did you get into it like a business? I collected as a youth And I ended up going to a boarding high school back when I was 14 years old. So I put my collection aside because I couldn't bring it up to Niagara Falls, Canada, where I was going to go to boarding school. And I really didn't get back into it until 1985, the year my father passed away. And I was on a vacation with my wife and I was walking on a pier in Montreal and I saw a flea market vendor selling baseball cards and got drawn over to this table. And I started looking through the pages of cards and something grabbed me and I saw a Don Mattingly rookie card. And I purchased it because my sister worked at a pizzeria in Tenafly, New Jersey, where Don lived. I gave it to her. She brought it to the pizzeria. And when he came in with his kids to have pizza, she got it signed for me. I never looked back. I pulled my collection down from my mother's attic and I got deeply back into it to the point where I was a weekend warrior at first, in addition to my regular job. By 1990, I was full-time as a dealer, making more money on the weekends than I was on my regular jobs. At the time, Jimbo was just a kid, five, six years old. I dragged him to a lot of shows and dragged him up to the Hall of Fame. I got many pictures of him with all these golden era Hall of Famers, and I just started dealing in autographs. And to fast forward, there was a need for some type of regulation in our industry because everybody was telling tall tales about how they got autographs. And many people came to me for my opinion, and I wasn't getting paid at the time for that. And some guy nudged me one day and said, that's not fair. You're not getting paid for all this information you have in your head there. And these guys are making money on you and you really should charge for that service. 
And that's what started everything. Jimbo was in college. He'd help me out when he was home on vacations or whatever. He'd go to the national with me. And then eventually when he graduated, he joined forces. And at the time, I guess I was finished with PSA at that time. And I had started JSA. And just two years into the business, Jimbo had started with me full time. And eventually realized we needed another presence somewhere else in the country. And Florida was a very big market for us. Somehow I drew the short straw and stayed in New Jersey and Jimbo found his way down to Florida, but it's all worked out quite well. In some cases, it can be hard to work with somebody in your family, but generally there's a pretty good trust relationship. And you all have built the business. It seems like it's grown quite a bit. Shocked me because I really hadn't taken count, but we have about 25 full-time workers and there are another 75 people that help us out in some way. Jimbo's done a great job in recruiting a lot of people throughout the country. It's made it easier when we have to uh, staff uh, certain areas. People still do jump on a lot of planes. We are driving here, there, and everywhere. But now it's even expanded. And I don't know if Jimbo mentioned it. He was in Kuwait, Dubai, England recently, Costa Rica, and constantly in Mexico, up in Canada. It's really expanded beyond the borders of the United States. And that's good. We're getting that kind of recognition. People know us all over the world, fortunately. And our letters do have a presence. Any given day, there's probably 350,000 items listed on eBay that have the JSA certification. Like your former company, Jim, it's just exploded. You built a fine company, and we'd like to believe we did as well. And it's not over. And it's not just Jimbo and I want you to recognize it. My son, Ryan. He does our marketing and advertising. And then I have nephews and my two sisters are involved and a lot of other people are not related to us. But even though it's a large company, it's still run like a monpot type organization. It's not like my competitors that are so corporate. People have my cell phone. It's a lot more portable than card grading because you don't mm-hmm. have a slabbing machine. And it's, you can go to them more so than having people ship stuff to you. But your job arguably is tougher than card grading. There are more variables, mm-hmm. media and implements and sizing and stuff like that. I think your business is trickier than grading cards. I think that's why we don't let one person become too powerful. Jimbo and myself are the ones that do sign letters of authenticity, but we're searching out opinions from the rest of the staff. And just because I believe a Mickey Mantle ball is valid, that does not mean it gets a letter. We need to have the input from other authenticators. And we put things up on a database called Spaces, where we're able to get these independent opinions. And based on the scores, things pass or fail. That's why we have so few errors in the company, because we're constantly checking each other's, which is so important, and not just have one omnipotent person just barking out good, bad, and it just doesn't work that way at JSA. Again, our competitors may do something different, but we have each other's best interest and backs in mind. And there are some autographs. We require some 20 authentication opinions from our staff. We have a wide range of people that have knowledge in various areas. I may not be the best in, say, soccer autographs, but if it's a vintage baseball or somewhere in sports or even vintage Hollywood, I feel more comfortable in those areas. But everybody has a good working knowledge of what's going on in the hobby. Yeah, but what about the remote technology aspect? You have at least two different offices. But are your remote contributor experts part-time, are they looking at a high-res scan or a high-res photo? Because if you're right there, I'm really going to trust you. If you're looking, feeling the document, as opposed to somebody in Denver, even if it's a high-quality scan, they don't have the item. 
We have magnification devices as well in our offices. We have the video spectral comparator. Now, there are items where we'll say, you know what, that item is way too chancy or difficult to make a call from the road. That needs to come back to the office. We need to see that with our own eyes. But if it's, say, a Mickey Mantle 8 by 10 that we see day in, day out, that type of autograph, no, that doesn't have to come back to our office. We have a huge exemplar file. There's a million examples in this file, and we keep track of not just the good autographs, not just the secretarials and the facsimiles and the auto pens, but all the forgers and the wives' signatures and everything that's pre-printed. It's very extensive. So everybody out on the road we send out has this very extensive toolbox of autographs that each day some 300 to 500 examples get pushed into this. There are new ballplayers coming up from the minors. We're always feeding this and readjusting and what I call manicuring the file constantly so people are up to date and we can identify while a person's on the road, oh, that looks like forgery number 465 and we can pinpoint one that looks similar to it or we might have already seen the item five years ago. And here it comes again, because they never find a home, these forgeries, unless somebody destroys them, uh, which very infrequently happens. Jimbo, when you started, were exemplars a digital file? Because I think when Jim started, it was an album. So (laughs) I'm sure it's all digital. I'm not that ancient. (laughs) I remember, I, I do remember Back in the '90s, when I used to go to shows with my dad, he used to carry around the exemplar saying, file. I know, and it was and it was you know, baseball, football, some hockey. It was the evolution of what we have today. It's all digital. Sometimes we have video of the person signing. I don't know if you've ever seen Manny Pacquiao sign his name, but it's a very interesting way of signing an autograph. The same thing with Gal Gadot, who signs in Hebrew, so she signs from right to left. Different things we pick up on. And where we see the pen strokes and how they form letters and the forgers usually don't pick up on that. So, you know, it's more than compare contrasting. It's where the pen touches the paper, where it finishes the initial of the terminal stroke. But when I started, there was a digital exemplar file to answer your question. Yeah. We now have it on a cloud system. All the authenticators have access to our proprietary information and we can access it on our phones, on our iPads. Anywhere where there's an internet connection, we have access to it. We can change it simultaneously. We're in constant communication with each other now. In fact, more so than ever with our current technology and sharing images with each other. And it could be a Duke Snyder Hall of Fame plaque postcard. And our guys are double checking with our baseball guys to make sure that it's not some sophisticated forgery because be surprised I failed a Bob Feller the other day. Just because an autograph's worth $15 does not mean it's never forged or it's not a stamp. We don't care what it is. We're here to protect the value of any autograph. Okay. Do you ever have a disagreement? We have a big enough company where we we try to talk about the personal things in life after 15 or 16 years of working together. It's great. We share a very strong passion. We both have very strong work ethic. It's tough. We do butt heads sometimes. We've come to realize that we've got to continue to build this monster. Uh, we got to both have the same vision. We're going to continue to grow this and stay the premier autograph authentication company on the planet. It's crazy that I could fly to Kuwait and I walk in the building and there's a line of people saying, I can't believe you're here. It just blew my mind. I couldn't leave the booth. I had to go to the airport. People were like, no, you can't leave. You need to authenticate my stuff. So we built the strong enough brand and we're going to maintain that. We both have that drive. A lot of hours, some people think 
oh, you've been around for 35 years in this industry, you know it all. No, I'm learning stuff every day. And you know what? A lot of our authenticators are teaching me along the way, just like I hope I'm teaching them. It's just this wealth of knowledge. Our authenticators have been out there chasing autographs. They know what the celebrities like to sign, how they sign it, what pen, what they don't like to sign, the area of the photograph they like to sign. There's all of this knowledge that goes into JSA. And I would hate to take all the credit for it or give it to Jimbo. Yes, we're a very big part of this, but it's a team effort. And if we're going to continue to grow, we're going to need more and more people that share that same passion with us. When there's hundreds of thousands of autographs that cross our desks, on a yearly basis, we have to get other people to help us out. Of course, we're going to be there for the big name stuff all the time, not to mention our witness protection program. We have people sitting next to the celebrity every day of the week, somewhere in the United States or elsewhere. We are authenticating a celebrity's autograph in bulk, four or five hundred, a thousand at a time. We've got to be able to be on top of our game so that we don't make a mistake. We value that reputation. And JSA, that brand is building and building. Okay, when I did my company, it had my name on it. You all have a company, it has both your names on it, interestingly. Was that a conscious choice or did it just happen that way? Have you ever thought of a more generic name? After all, Heritage or PSA, those aren't named after a person. Yes. But to me, it's important because you totally stand behind it because it's both your names, just like that reflects mm -hmm. on me personally. Interestingly enough, Mark Jordan, when I worked with him years ago, I asked him, why did you name your company your name? He goes, I didn't want to be XYZ company or come up with some clever name that somebody else could use in another state. I wanted it to be unique. When I formed JSA, uh, my name was well known in the industry already, easy enough to spell. I, I also liked the lineage of the whole thing. I told you about my grandfather, my father, and I knew Jimbo. It could work for all of us. And that was important to me. The man 